here I am just having a good time with my wife, taking a break, having fun, and boom, inspiration strikes. And it sends me on this, you know, couple year journey that I've been on in this whole other amazing road of just, you know, experience and revelation. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Grace for Impact. Sometimes in life, we get stuck along our path toward achieving our full potential and having the impact we desire. You know, life happens and we settle for the new normal until one day we wake up and say, no more being stuck. I recently encountered one of these moments and was so thankful I had access to life courses over at unstuck.com forward slash impact. The process the Unstuck team created gave me the freedom to think about what I wanted to accomplish so that I can focus on becoming the hero I know I'm meant to be. But don't just take my word for it. Listeners around the world are taking action at unstuck.com forward slash impact and sharing their stories. For example, Matt said he's using the course to help navigate a change in careers, and he's through the second course and is super thankful for the recommendation. And Mary from Kenya shared that she loves the site and is using it to help launch a new startup. Matt, Mary, you and I, we all share a lot in common, especially the fact that we want to have a tremendous impact in the lives of others. So invest in the freedom to think differently about making a change or launching that company. Invest in yourself and become the hero you know yourself to be by visiting unstuck.com forward slash impact. Round three of the Small Town series is with my buddy Justice Earl, inventor, disruptor, and vocalist of a crazy metal band. But before we jump into this week's guest, some great engagement is happening over in the private Facebook community I've created for fans of the show. Keep it up, and if you haven't joined yet, you can do so by signing up at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash group. Okay, so from academia to performing for a sold-out audience with his metal band, Justice has a diversity in many of his pursuits. Among the more public items, he has patented his invention, brought several new products to market, published articles, interviewed notable influencers, and received international recognition for a most innovative Kickstarter campaign. He spent the last six years as a critical member of a highly disruptive startup that was one of the first companies to bring the Internet of Things to the solar industry. At Tygo Energy, he led the development of an app-based Internet of Things consumer solar system with three of the largest companies in the solar industry. And I had no idea that he did all these things until I read his bio. And he also founded the product and software quality department, as well as designed the largest Internet of Things solar system in Europe. 
Justice shares a lot of insight with us about what it takes to be an entrepreneur in a small town, how self-awareness led to him launching and creating and inventing and patenting an incredibly cool product uh, at a death metal concert, and much, much more. So don't be a podcast junkie. Bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Justice Earl, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show, my friend. It's been a long time coming. Thanks, Mike. I'm super excited to be here. I'm pumped to have you, man. I'm. Uh, I think you have an incredible amount of just grit and knowledge and and just innate talent that the audience is really going to learn a lot from today. And as you know, because you're a longtime listener from day one, I have. The question I start out every conversation with is the superpower question. So you, Justice Earl, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? All right. So I got two. Overachiever. Just, <laughs> I, want, I want everything. Uh, so my first one would be flying, super generic, but I have dreams of flying. I always want to fly. I get that sense that, you know, I was just in an airplane recently and you get that sense of euphoria. Um, and I think that whether it's, you know, drugs or achieving or sex or whatever, like we're always looking for euphoria. So flying is that never ending euphoria. And the second thing is, is uh, knowing what to do in every situation. You know, whether it's you get in a jam, you're, you're stuck, you're in a rut or you're in a high pressure situation. You're talking to somebody on the phone or face to face, whatever. You know, you have a, a critical decision to make. Knowing what to do in that decision uh, every time would be an awesome superpower to have. Let's focus in on that knowledge superpower there for a second, because that's a little bit unique and something that I think every entrepreneur would want, in addition to flying, of course, but everybody talks about flying. So let's focus on the knowledge thing. What can entrepreneurs do since, we, since most of us don't have the uh, gift of clairvoyance? You know, what, what can entrepreneurs do to kind of garner the essence of that superpower and apply it in their daily life? I think that being, you know, whatever you want to do in, in your life, whatever your entrepreneurial venture is, putting yourself in that situation over and over and over again is the ultimate way to sort of build up that instinct. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about it in Blink, where people just develop this instinct and it's, you know, and it's lightning times faster than your rational thinking skills. So, you know, developing that intuition is kind of a hybrid of reading about things, listening to people, and ultimately putting yourself in those situations that you want to grow in strength. And then kind of over time, you just develop that instinct of where you just, boom, you know what to do. I was just talking to somebody about this, actually, because it also, Malcolm Gladwell talks about it in the in Blink, but there's another guy named Stephen Kotler who talks about it, and he has a project that he's working on called the Flow Genome Project. So it's all this concept of flow, and you think about athletes, and you think about people that are performing at their highest capacity with as little friction as possible, and the whole idea is how can we get there faster when I don't believe there's really any shortcuts. I just think that those people have taken the number of reps that's right for them to create that muscle memory so that they can get into that real fast. And I, that one, one person I think about right away is Michael Phelps and everything that he does to get into that zone, if you will. But it's something that people are, are working toward and trying to hack. And that is definitely a, a, a power that 
everybody would want. I mean, Stephen Kotler wrote a, a book about it called The Rise of Superman. So, you know, it's it's a really powerful superpower, uh, for lack of a better word. But, uh, you know, here's a new question for you, Justice, and it's a word association thing. So you have to answer with the first instinct, and then you have to tell me why you chose, which one you chose, okay? So are you an accomplisher or a doer? A doer? I went with that. Like, I, I, I like your approach, you know, throwing, throwing me off guard. There's a lot of online tests like the, uh, the strengths finder, yeah. you know, where you're just kind of thrown at these, like, do you like tacos or do you like baseball? And you're like, what? <laughs> so this one's a little bit more, you know, kind of in the same. I, I think I went with doer because I like doing things, which is a completely ridiculous answer, but I, I see something and then I immediately want to do it. If something entices me, I just, I go out and try it. You know, I, I pick up a guitar or I start making something after I think about, you know, hey, this doesn't exist in the world. I'm going to make it right now. And I, I don't always think about uh, what is this going to accomplish? I just want to experience it first. And then I kind of get into, after I've experienced it for a little while, I'm like, then I kind of think about it a little bit more. Do do I really want to accomplish this, right? Maybe it's just a one-time thing. Like I, w- I wanted to uh, make jewelry. You know, I've got gauges in my ears, got big old, I can stick my finger through my ear right now. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I want to make jewelry. So I just, I bought some some cool looking silverware at the thrift store and cut it up and I wore it. And then it was at that point was like, okay, where am I? I'm not that interested in this, right? I, I'm not going to accomplish my goal of being an amazing jewelry maker. I just wanted to do it. And now it's kind of off my checklist. And that's that's kind of like how I want to experience life is doing as many things as possible to find that sweet spot continually, like you're talking about with flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's totally, uh, I think doer is the right thing for you. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into the question about why you're an entrepreneur. But, you know, I know that you are, you surround yourself by with mentors and people that are at different levels and and I know that's something you work really hard to find, you know, that those five people that you're aspiring to be, so to speak. So can you tell us this story about a mentor or mentors or coaches that have had an impact in your life and maybe shaped the outlook of how you're approaching your entrepreneurial journey? So I don't really have like a specific story, but like thinking about mentorship, you know, I, I read books, I watch videos, TED Talks are freaking priceless. And and you're right. I surround myself with people who are looking for their purpose in life. They're looking, they're, they're tired of the status quo. They're looking to, you know, make something of themselves. I think the, as far as like the term mentor is concerned, somebody who's maybe a little bit older, more accomplished can kind of give you insight. The strongest mentorships in my life have been in working in high tech with uh, the founders of the startup that I've been working for for the last seven years. Um, these guys are, are industry leaders at uh, you know just giant corporations here in the valley, but they started a small company and I got to work in a small company with them. So I had access to these guys that you know, most people don't have access to. And so I just kind of through circumstance and through 
drive to, you know, put myself in front of these guys, to work directly with them, to get opportunities to, to do projects for them, to travel with them, just to, you know, kind of like learning by osmosis. You know, there, there wasn't a tremendous amount of times where they just said, hey, Justice, you should do this with your life. There's a few times where they had insights, but a lot of it was just seeing how they dealt with circumstances in their life or circumstances in the business world. And, and then me taking that away and going, okay, how would they deal with the situation? You know, just again, building up that instinct of like, oh, these guys did it this way, you know, and, and now it's kind of more of an instinctual thing to, to respond to situations in the same way that these guys who have, you know, 30 plus years of, of leadership in the, in the Valley. Mm. And that, and that's, empowered you on your own entrepreneurial journey and shaped kind of your thinking, which, I mean, you've, you've, you're a lead singer for a hardcore metal band. You're a disruptor at this tech, the solar tech company, the things you're doing there are amazing. And then now you add to the, the list inventor and entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about why you're an entrepreneur and why you're doing the things you're doing. And I think that going back to the question about whether you're an accomplisher or a doer, I think it's no surprise from my point of view that you that you chose the doer uh, route precisely for the reason why you invented the product that you invented, which I want you to tell everybody that story. But so start with why you're an entrepreneur and maybe, you know, throw that story in there about how you created the hand snap. I think uh, when you talk about why are you an entrepreneur or what makes an entrepreneur, uh, I, you know, a lot of people go back to the nature versus nurture question. You know, were you born an entrepreneur? Did you learn entrepreneurship? Uh, I think for me, I've always been an entrepreneur. And as a child, you know, that looked like getting in a lot of trouble to most people. For me, I was just finding new ways to uh, break the law. And, um, <laughs> do, so, so, you know, and, and as I was kind of thinking about this, my path and my history and everything a lot recently, you know, I did get in a ton of trouble when I was a kid. And I think a lot of it was because I didn't have a lot of guidance. School was pretty boring. My home life was very disruptive. You know, I grew up in a broken home and I didn't have anyone inspiring around me to give me direction. Uh, so I just kind of looked at adults around me as like these boring, like law keepers who were there to keep me out of getting in trouble, but they they weren't leading me into anything. There was no direction. It was just kind of like, follow the rules, follow what we say and everything's going to turn out. And I, I didn't believe that I, you know, I just, I wanted to challenge everything, you know? And so, like I said, I got into a, a ton of trouble and, uh, you know, now working through all of that, you know, um, coming to faith and going through college and all these different paths, I find myself on the other side of that whole story, uh, you know, in, in high tech, in inventing and, in, you know, leading and forming a, a metal band and doing all this stuff. And I'm kind of realizing that there's, I believe that there's a definite connection between uh, entrepreneurship and the uh, potential or risk factor of being a troublemaker. Uh, because ultimately, an entrepreneur is someone who has to challenge 
the way that other people do things. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to challenge the market, you know, conditions. You have to challenge uh, the the giant company who, you know, uh, oh, you know, GoPro or whoever is a multi, multi-billion dollar company. I could never come out with a product that, that would disrupt them. You know, you have to have that sense of defiance, if you will. And, and I think it's, uh, as I as I look around, as I think about my history, as I think about other you know troubled youth, if you will, or the incarceration system, my heart goes out to these guys. As I realize that a lot of them are just natural disruptors, natural entrepreneurs without leadership, and they just they're they're choosing a wrong path because they're not aware of a right path. You know, I think there's a lot a lot to be learned there. Mm, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. I mean, I think all of your previous experience has equipped you to be the disruptor that you are, as you were just saying, in particular with having the ability, it's created this sort of self-awareness about you that enables you to look and see things differently, recognize patterns and recognize opportunity such as when you're crowd surfing at a death metal concert. So how did you, what is the hand snap and how did you create this innovative tool? So great segue there, Mike. Um, I'm a pro. (laughs) So my wife and I were at a uh, death metal show on Valentine's day. Um, I have, you know, probably the only wife that would, uh, go with me to a death metal show on Valentine's day. And I was crowd surfing. I'm in my thirties now. And I, you know, I thought that I, you know, might not be crowd surfing forever. And so I wanted to film it a uh, little, you know, do I know now that I truly am going to be crowd surfing forever? So it doesn't actually matter, but I wanted to, to film that experience. I wanted to, uh, see what it was like firsthand, uh, you know, literally first, firsthand floating on a sea of people. Again, it's that sense of euphoria, you know, that sense of connectedness, that sense of just, you know, I'm experiencing something that uh, is very unique and other people might not have experienced. So I wanted to film that. I didn't have, you know, I had a, I had a camera in my pocket, my phone, everybody's got one, you know, but I didn't have a safe way to use it. So after that, my wife and I are in the city, we're in San Francisco, we go back to the hotel and we're just brainstorming, ideating about what this product would look like and, and you know, looking for it online and not finding it. That's how HandSnap was born, just out of necessity, you know, out of doing what I love. You know, it's it sounds cliche, but um, I think I think it's uh, super important to be, you know, even in entrepreneurship, people kind of idealize this like, you know, slave mentality where you're just, oh, I'm, I'm working 130 hours a week to make this thing go. You know, a lot of these people that do that are burnouts and they they end up messing things up for themselves, for their relationships, for their family, because they're not intentional to do things that they love. They're not intentional to take breaks. And here I am just having a good time with my wife, taking a break, having fun and boom, inspiration strikes. And it sends me on this, you know, couple year journey that I've been on in this whole other amazing road of just, you know, experience and revelation. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is why, and you went straight, you took that experience and you went straight into doer mode to try to figure out how to navigate this and build this product from 
from nothing, from zero to where it is now and, and Kickstarter and we'll get there and all that stuff. But you're in San Francisco, you and Alicia are, you know, brainstorming this, you come back to little old Santa Cruz County and now you're faced with all of the variables that go into starting something to taking your idea from out of your head onto paper and then into prototype and then into manufacturing and et cetera. I mean, there's so much to navigate and just the thought of that alone will stop 95, probably 99% of people. So how do you go about controlling those variables? What process did you start to engage with in your mind or questions that you asked yourself or others to help you kind of navigate through that? I've kind of always invented little things throughout my life. Um, and I've kind of, I've been looking for something to make, to call my own, to bring into the world that didn't exist before. So I was kind of primed for this to happen, you know, um, looking for that thing that was going to be easy enough to manufacture, to, to bring it out to, to market for my, my first venture. Another thing that helped tremendously was Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. You know, I read that right before I'd thought of this idea. So I had some of the logistics in my mind of, okay, when you come up with a product, you know, come up with it in, in that it would retail in this price range. And, you know, here's some of the logistics to put it together. So I'd kind of been on that mind frame of, of looking for the opportunity. And then when it struck, I kind of had some framework to put it together. Uh, and then another thing too, in thinking about it is, you know, if you're, if your why is big enough, then your how will follow, you know? And so I didn't really get caught up into the logistics of how it all was going to work and how I was going to make it happen. I just, I thought that it was a viable enough opportunity to deal with the headaches of how to make it happen. And so I was just going to figure out how along the way. Yeah. And I love what you did too, because I was there at the beginning when you first talked about this idea, you know, at, at our little small entrepreneurial meetup in Scotts Valley. And, you know, you did the right thing because you had this idea and you, you brought it to, a, I think there are probably 15 or 20 other entrepreneurs out there. And you, you had constructed a very basic prototype model that you pulled together from all kinds of different knickknacks and created this prototype and, and wanted to get people's feedback. And I, and I, I'm pretty sure the feedback was unanimous that it was a crazy innovative product. There was nothing like it really out on the market and that it would take what you already have in your, your pocket, in your hand and make it, more approachable and usable for, for everybody. They don't have to go spend a, you know, $400 on some other uh, expensive camera product. So you, you get this feedback from the group and from your community. And I think for all entrepreneurs, community is critical and, and important. And then you fast forward. Now you go and you're working with a team of people and you launch a Kickstarter campaign. What was the process of doing that and how did it go? So I, our, our first crowd, our first Kickstarter failed. Um, and again, and it goes back to being a doer, 
is I looked at Kickstarter as a vehicle to get rich quick. I didn't quite understand how it worked. I just said, hey, look, I've got a product that I think a lot of people can use and benefit from. It's simple. It's it's low cost. We're just going to throw it on Kickstarter and I'm going to get to leave my day job and, you know, sail off into the sunset sort of thing. And that's definitely not how crowdfunding works. <laughs> so I, I went went big on crowdfunding and failed big. I learned a lot from the process. I was a little bit gun shy to go back to crowdfunding, you know, because you don't, you, know, you have a, a, a failure in life. You know, it's, it's definitely hard to go and approach that failure again. A lot of times it's sour grapes where you're like, well, I don't need that anyway. I can just go and do another way, uh, which there's true. There's a lot of different ways that you can take a product to market. I thought that crowdfunding had a lot of uh, merit to it. I really took my time to develop the product to refine what I was doing. And I decided to go back to crowdfunding uh, to crack the code, to, you know, overcome that failure. And ultimately, because I, I thought that it was the best route for the product at that time, you know, I, I didn't want to just go and, and win crowdfunding just because I lost. I really took the time to say, okay, I think this is probably the best route um, at this point. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-275. 2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. So, so describe that process. Like you failed and you're super bummed and you know, you take, you take a step back, take a deep breath. What is the process that what 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 did you do differently the second time around, like specifically to to redo that that game plan? Because I know that there's a I mean crowd surfing, I mean crowdfunding, crowd surfing, but also crowdfunding is a really is still a super disruptive way for people with ideas and products to take them to the market at virtually no cost and get a bunch of free market data at the same time. So you failed. What did you do to start over and to, to begin again? rather than just quit? So I look at crowdfunding as a microcosm of business. So everything that you have to do for a successful crowdfunding from start to finish, meaning you know, when you first put your first assets online to when you're actually delivered the product start to finish, you have to do if you're running a business, if you're running a company. So the accounting, you, know, you have to know if you have enough money to Uh, pay your engineers to build the product and then to ship it to whoever ordered it wherever in the world. You know, it gets expensive when you're shipping it across to Asia or the Middle East or whatever. You know, you have to have all that logistics stuff figured out. You know, just the engineers and the development and the photography and the video, there's all these, you know, marketing, all these different components of a crowdfunding campaign that 
you're going to do if you're building a business anyway. So a crowdfunding campaign is really a fantastic way to kind of put all those pieces together in a short amount of time to see if you even want to run your own business. You know, that's kind of the bigger question is, do you want to put all these pieces together and, and continue to keep running this thing? Or do you want it to be a one-time thing where, hey, I launched my thought, my invention, and I'm not, you know, excited enough about it to keep running with it? Mm. That was probably a super valuable lesson to learn for yourself, whether whether you are A or B. Absolutely. What did you learn about yourself when it, when it, when you failed the first time? That I don't like failing. You know, I listen to a lot of people on your show. I listen to successful people and the the number one thing, you know, there's a there's a, a biblical proverb that says you stumble and you get up over and over again basically. That that was like the non-eloquent way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was basically that that was a paraphrase yeah. uh of a very eloquent um proverb that I just slaughtered. But the idea is, is that you keep getting up until you win, right? And and you can say that and you can even believe that, but doing it is a whole nother thing. And so I, I challenged myself like, okay, this failed. Maybe there's another way to bring it to market. And I really analyzed why it failed um, because I didn't want to repeat that again. And what path did I want to take from that point? And in you know, again, it was putting it into practice. I've heard this, I've read this, I've done this. I just need to get back up and go for it again. Right. You know, Jocko Willink, who was a, a guest a few episodes back, uh, talked about that and he referred to it as the will to win. And the will to win requires a deep-seated desire for that long-term end state. So it's not something that is is sh- short in duration. It's something that that it's when you win something, it's not like a, a flash in the pan. It's it has a long term compounding effect, and that's also I I've been talking a lot about the word passion lately. People talk about passion, follow your passion. People don't know what the word passion means. It means being willing to suffer, you know. So that is what it requires. Like if you have the proper understanding of passion, that's what is required in order to win, is that willingness to suffer, is that willingness to, to stumble and fall and get back up again. And that's what makes the best who they are, which is one of the reasons why you're the best and why you're on the show. You know? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. There are a lot of entrepreneurs right now listening to this that are in small towns across America, around the world. Just found out the other day, I've got some people from the Netherlands listening. So what's up, my Netherlands people? They're, they want to do something. They have an idea. What are the top three things that you would tell them to do and how to approach taking action on this idea that they learned, that they discovered while they were crowd surfing or actually surfing or dreaming while they're taking a nap or yelling at their boss or their boss is yelling at them? They, they want to do something. Right. What would you tell them? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it all... It definitely depends on what it is they want to do. You know, certain things are obviously much easier to approach than others. Um, I think the one thing that you have to be very careful not to do is tell the wrong people about your ideas. Because there's people in your life who are, for whatever reason, going to shoot down your ideas. And you have to let those ideas 
come to their own fruition in your mind before they get shut down, right? An idea is like a seed and a seed, you know, seeds are, are, are pretty robust when you think about it, but is when the seed is cracked, when the idea is formed, it becomes very fragile and it needs a, a nurturing environment to really grow and mature. So, you know, there's a lot of people who are well-meaning who will shoot down your ideas for one reason or another, you know, they're just too practical. They're just too pragmatic. They're like, that doesn't make any sense, you know, to create an electric car company in the midst of all these 150 year old, well-established companies. You know, it doesn't make sense to start a solar company. It doesn't make sense to do all the, you know, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. And you're so obsessed with the idea that eventually it's going to work. And it makes sense to everybody once it's successful. So the first thing I would say is be very careful who you tell about your idea. You know, and, and, it, and it goes on both sides too. It, I, I believe the governing principle of life is balance. Everything is balance, right? So you don't want to tell negative Nancy your idea because she's just going to suck all of the fun out of the room and you're going to be deflated and think you didn't have a good idea. You also don't want to, you know, tell a hyper positive Bob about it because your idea might suck and he might give you false hope about your sucky idea, right? So you just, you have to find that balance. You have to be careful about, about it. Um, the other thing is too, is do it, is just start doing it. You know, there's, there's really no substitute for that. You know, if you're writing or, or writing a book or, or making a, uh, an invention, or you want to start a band, you just, you have to start doing it. And like I said, with the jewelry making, I'm not, I made jewelry one time and that was it because I found out through doing that jewelry making is not on my roadmap of life. So it's through doing that you understand whether or not you're passionate enough about something to endure the hardship and the pain to get to where you want to go. Yeah, that's really incredibly powerful advice. And, you know, I think that people really should take that to heart and maybe, you know, hit the, the 30 second rewind button and listen to that a few more times, because it's not just a, a justice Earl thing. It's a, it's an every entrepreneur, it's an every successful person that you see, everybody has, has faced that adversity and had their idea been told that their idea was stupid or that it was not going to be successful and everything that we're using to include these microphones are disruptive, were disruptive at some point, you know, and it's just doing it and not listening to the naysayers. And, you know, sometimes the overly optimistic, hyper-positive Bob, is that what you call them? <laughs> sure. People, you know, you, you got to really protect your mindset. That's really, really critical to, to long-term success. If there's one thing... I'll give you two because I know you're an overachiever. If there's one or two things that you want people to remember from our conversation today, in addition to what you just said, because I think that's pretty badass and powerful, what would they be? I think the one of the biggest things that I've learned in this journey is to listen to my wife more. Um, there's definitely a tendency to take people around you for granted and you're like, you're always looking for the authority. Like for me, I'm always looking for the authority, right? I, I don't 
know how to do something, I'm, I immediately look for the authority. How do they do it, right? They need to tell me the answers to, to this. And I think a, a big part of my journey of seeking authority figures in life and finding people to give me the answers, you know, and that's kind of the shortcut. And it's a fantastic shortcut. I think it's brilliant. But again, it's balanced. You have to use it um, accordingly is finding mentors and reading books and watching videos, all that stuff. You have to have just a regular um, influx in your life of positive learning material. You just have to keep putting that stuff in to, to keep yourself um, motivated. But, you know, like I was saying, there is a definite tendency to lean on um, the uh, authority figures more than you lean on people who know you and, and love you. And so that was the biggest thing is my wife has a lot of um, great intuition. She's no, you know, we've known each other for, you know, almost 20 years now. And, um, you know, she just has a sense of intuition and insight into who I am and where I want to go and the this, this situation that I'm in, the people I'm surrounded by, that I really learned to listen to her more and kind of weigh, weigh her, you know, equally um, with these authority figures. Mm -hmm. I want to just talk about that for one more second because I think that communication, which is one of the thing what you're talking about, is critical for not a, not only the success of your entrepreneurial venture, but also for the success of your marriage and if you're not married, your relationship with your significant other. So how do you how would you advise people to approach communication with all of the key stakeholders in their life as it relates to their entrepreneurial journey? You know, I've noticed a pattern. I, I haven't really seen this in writing or heard people talk about it a lot, but I've seen it enough with, with myself and people around me that, you know, these kind of big picture people, these visionary people, uh, a lot of times they just kind of tend to expect that their team or their spouse automatically understands them and know what they're doing. And, and the visionary will get frustrated when their spouse and their team doesn't get it. And so I think, you know, especially for, you know, stereotypically guys, guys speak, you know, about half the daily words that women do, right? It's just a known, right? And, and so for guys, there's definitely this tendency to under communicate and just to assume that everybody knows what's going on and everybody's on the same page. So a great visionary, a great dreamer, a great leader will not only have a great vision that they're chasing after and this dream and this legendary thing that they're running hard after, but they're also going to take a, a great leadership role in the lives of the people around them. And they're going to make sure, they're going to take the time to make sure that their spouses and their relationships and their, the people around them are on the same page with them. And it's, and it's not only pragmatically mission critical to do that, because these are the people that are going to help the overall dream. You know, you can't build something by yourself. And that's another thing that I learned is I'm, I'm just going to go, go it alone and, and, you know, hammer this thing out. You know, you really need a team. And uh, again, just over communicating, taking the time to really lead these people and to encourage them. And so that they feel inspired on this journey along with you. They feel like you care and you're looking out for them and you're motivating them to be on the same page, to be on the same team and just to be excited. You know, that's critical. 
What are you most excited about as it relates to taking hand snap to the next level? I'm most excited about, well, so we just got, we just got a very significant partnership that we're not, well, we got two actually a manufacturing partnership um, and the other, a business uh, related partnership that we're not quite ready to uh, announce, but you know, it's, it's one of the biggest players in the industry and you know, I dream big. I'm, I'm a constant daydreamer and I want to see this thing go beyond uh, a Kickstarter, go beyond a, a pilot in a, in a handful of uh, stores in the Bay Area, go beyond selling on my website. Uh, you know, I want to see this go, go big, right? I mean, it's, it's cliche again, but I want to see this thing, you know, at CES, I want to see this thing just get out there into the into the world. And I want to see people using it. And, you know, like, like you, you think about Q-tip or you think about Exacto, you think about these brands that you say, I want a Q-tip, you know, you don't yeah. say I want a cotton swab. I mean, some, <laughs> there's some weirdos that say I want a cotton swab, right? But everybody says I want a Q-tip, yeah. you know, I, I don't want a, a, a pointy, small, you know, cutting blade. I want an Exacto knife, right? So when people think about a camera strap for their smartphone, it's a simple device, but it's going to save you and help you film better. I want them to say, oh, grab my hand snap, mm-hmm. right? Even yeah. if it's a knockoff brand that's not a hand snap, I want people to say, grab me my hand snap. Yeah, yeah that's powerful. No, I mean, and, and I love the product. I use it it's sitting right there on my desk. And uh, I'll show you how I, I actually use it to do Facebook Live videos too, hands-free, because I, I strap it to something else because yeah, yeah. there's multi-uses multi, multi uses to this <laughs> cool invention. Justice, I want to say thank you for joining me on the Impact Entrepreneur Show today. I really appreciate you. I want to honor you for your uh, just doer mentality and getting things done and experimenting and not taking no for an answer and, and getting back up when you stumble and when you fall and the example that you set for entrepreneurs everywhere, but especially here in Santa Cruz in this small town entrepreneur series. So thanks for joining us on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Justice, you are brilliant. Love the creativity, outside the box thinking and passion. I love what you are creating and look forward to seeing how quickly your ventures turn into total world domination. If you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered. Visit www.theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 31 for all the key points and highlights of our conversation. And while you're there, be sure to support our sponsors, the Lawton Marketing Group and Unstuck Life Courses. We are blessed to have them as a partner, and I am confident they will add massive value to your life. Be sure to share your ideas and talents with us by joining our awesome Facebook community. And you can jump in there at www.theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash group. Thank you, Cody and the podcast masters team for helping me produce a quality show. A big high five to you and to all of the listeners. Until next time, go make an impact.